0: Sexual hookups are not a present day phenomenon, but when it comes to the modern hookup culture, the expectation and mode to engage has evolved and will continue to evolve. Research reveals the positive and negative consequences of engaging in this lifestyle, its effect on our mental health and how it may impact our ability to form lasting relationships. On today's podcast, we discuss hookup culture.
1: Welcome to the Radically Genuine Podcast. I'm Dr. Roger McFillan. Fellas, I turned the corner on 75 hard. I'm on the home stretch. You're still doing it.
0: How many days now?
1: This is day 38, so I've passed the halfway mark. I've oh, no got cheat. a long way to go. And You're no, not going to make it. No cheats and no, <laughs> no, no cheats. struggles? No struggles? Oh, struggles. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what. I kind of bottomed out on Thanksgiving. Sean made this bourbon cider hot drink. Nice. Right? And I think- With uh, butter yeah with butter in it i mean i'm gonna love something like that and i already had a nice prime rib which he which he made but i had like this sweet tooth you know everyone's eating dessert and then he makes this bourbon cider drink and i'll tell you what there was a a moment of weakness where i was about to give up on the entire thing Man, i tried so hard
0: i was gonna say (laughs) were you trying to entice him maybe pre- well, i
2: was i was letting the collective group entice him yeah you know just the pure pressure of everybody enjoying this fine beverage nice
1: and I, I think i was at the point where i was perpetually sore you know it was like 30 days in or a little less than 30 days i hit a mark where like everything on my body hurt just from all the workout or i think your body just detoxing all the crap <laughs> I, I think it's a combination of all of that yeah. i had to like switch to yoga for a couple of days because you just can't sustain weightlifting and some of the intensity of my workouts I was doing every single day. And so it hit me and I was craving a drink the entire day. And then that, and I I like bourbon, you know, just a, you know, just a glass and not a big heavy drinker, but boy, that was my my weak point. And so I was kind of thinking that there's some parallels to 75 hard and today's conversation. I'm going gonna, gonna to love to find out how you tie this all together. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> all right, well, obviously, we're going to tie this into living well and mental health. Okay. And I guess I'm at a, at a point, certainly in my life and my career, where I want to optimize experience. And I love that word optimize. You know, whether it's joy, friendship, uh, new experiences, feeling well. And we got this interesting email from a listener. I want to give credit to Clara, who's from Canada, and I believe that Clara is a student. But she asked us to discuss our views on the current hookup culture. Oh, Mm -hmm. I didn't know it came from a listener. It did. Okay. And modern relationships. Mm -hmm. And we've been looking at the statistics. I feel I'm somewhat skewed because I deal with people's mental distress every single day. Here's the advantage of having us here, is we actually got together with our significant others prior to this technology boom. Swipe right, right? Yeah. So it's a new phenomenon. And so we can take a look at it, or at least I can take a look at it from multiple perspectives. I read some scientific literature on it. Obviously I deal with this every single day as a psychologist in working with people's struggles with intimacy relationships and overall well-being and i think i can look at it from a generational perspective and also talk about things historically so where i said i'm skewed Mm -hmm. is because obviously every day i'm kind of working with people in mental distress so I don't want to just assume and generalize that. Our entire society is struggling to the extent that maybe people are in a certain episode or a time period in their life when they're coming to see me. So it is important that we investigate con- some scientific data and literature on that.
2: I got a question. Did you make the leap and talk to your daughters?
1: I did not. No. Okay. And there, listen, I have a 21-year-old who's in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then I have an 18-year-old, still a little young, and is not currently in a relationship. But I did not have that conversation with either one of them. But I have conversations with young men and young women every day and Mm -hmm. have done so for over a decade. So that's kind of... And I just don't want to say young men and young women because, obviously, if you're, you're single and you're older or you're divorced, you're in the same culture. But we've been talking about... There's no doubt that there is data that suggests the overwhelm the overwhelming kind of temperature in Western culture is that there's more depression, more anxiety, quality of life has decreased. And so we can speak from that perspective. So as far as 75 hard, and I do want to have a future podcast where I review mine, maybe we'll bring Dr. Hannon back on and talk about the benefits of doing hard things, because there's a number of things that happen within you as you kind of take steps to resist the temporary um, cravings Mm -hmm. or the temptations that exist, but tying it together to this hookup culture. If we are talking about rise in mental health-related problems have something to do with maybe a mismatch between what we are genetically designed to do and what our modern culture allows us to do. So if we are really genetically predispositioned to be more connected to nature, be less sedentary, eat certain foods, be connected relationally and emotionally to each other in specific ways. And then modern society kind of starts to pull us back from that. We're living in screens. We're eating poorly. We're not moving. There's kind of a loss of spiritual connection, of community connection, And relationships are changing as well. So can we think about that modern society's technologies and advances, although can provide us some things that are relatively easy, are we designed to to do hard things and are relationships designed a certain way in order to maximize human bonding and connection? And that's where we get into this question of the Tinder culture the this, swipe this right culture. Is it an easy hookup? Does that enhance the well-being and the relationships and the bonding? Are you happier living that way? Sex, is sex on demand enhance your quality of life? All these big questions that we can kind of dive into. We can t- you know, promiscuity, monogamy, mm-hmm. family, marriage, we can do a deep dive into our culture and have questions about what does it mean to optimize life, optimize life in terms of love, connection, relationships, purpose, and are we on the right path? So cool topic for today? Uh, cool yeah. topic, yeah. Kelly, you
2: you did some research this week by using these apps and just to see how how the experience was. Tell us about it.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what, every day,
1: Ashley Madison.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> do. I got I got in a lot of trouble from my wife though from from that research. I just want to point that out. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, can we? So we define hookup culture uh, as really utilizing. The this technology that's out there. Tin, you mentioned Tinder. There is probably other apps. Um, actually, Madison, I am actually not familiar with Sean, so you might <laughs> want to go into that. But no, but seriously, that, that so it's going on my phone. I am in a, a strange town. Uh, maybe I am traveling for, and, and I can simply just go on and I can hook up with whoever I want, and the feeling is mutual on the other end. Correct? I mean, this is what hookup consensual, culture, consensual, and so it's very easy for many people to do. So the question that I'm curious about today is: Is that particular action uh, is that actually helping people with things like self-esteem, you know, and moving forward more positive attitudes, or or is it is it kind of like this false sense of positivity due to the due to the fact that it's sex? It's you know,
1: well, let's define hookup. Go ahead. Okay, um, and this is from an American Psychological Association. Uh, cover story on the sexual hookup culture and the definition according to this article we'll put the links in the podcast summary a brief uncommitted sexual encounter between individuals who are not romantic partners or dating each other and so this can include everything that could range from intercourse to other sexual activity and so it doesn't always mean sex it doesn't always mean sex But often, I think... I would say it's
2: generational. I always interpreted hookup as sex. But from some of the things that I was reading, this Gen Z, which would be your daughters, they are defining hookups slightly differently.
1: Yeah, I think I read the same thing. It's rather vague. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. And that's the language evolves. And it's starting to lose its meaning from what we recall it to be.
1: But for us, I think um, we're probably going to keep it in sexual intercourse because there's something that's normal and natural about sexual experimentation in a non- non-sexual intercourse way. And then it differs when you start crossing the line into having a sexual relationship. And that's what we're referring to today. Like When we talk about a hookup culture, we're talking about sex. And we're talking about intimate sexual acts without a relationship. In fact, with a stranger Fair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's, I want to cut, I'm going to tie this back to 75 hard. I was going to say,
0: this is like, when, 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 when are you going to bring this out? You started with this.
1: So, um, all right. If I would have had that cider,
0: you wouldn't write, write on we, Tinder. We,
1: where's Thanksgiving going? <laughs> <laughs> if I would have had that bourbon cider, uh-huh. it certainly would have quenched a desire yeah. or a craving in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there is always short-term positive reactions or responses. I would imagine it could be similar with um, promiscuous sex if it's consensual. Okay, so you get your you're gonna have your short-term pleasure from it. Fleeting. Fleeting. Mm-hmm. But at some point, when I would have finished that drink, what would have I been left with?
0: An empty glass. You would have asked Sean for another one.
1: That's right. Um, probably regret. Probably. Right? Um, because does the pleasure supersede the emotional consequences of that experience? because I made a commitment and I would have fallen on that that commitment and there would have been negative consequences. Now I could have said, I'll screw it. And then just had a bunch of drinks to try to numb the experience or numb the pain. And then I would have had regret maybe the next day. I also probably wouldn't have felt well. So there is a part of this around delayed gratification something that is more substantial versus, you know, getting that quick fix and being able to compare that to overall quality of life and, and pleasure. So let's think about the hookup culture as far as just, you know, wanting to be with another person, mm-hmm. you know, just the, the normal waves that occur, um, especially when you're younger and your desire to have sex, that you have to actually learn to be able to manage those impulses or those feelings. And then in a safe and free society, we have to learn to respect our boundaries in that area. Mm -hmm. Now, the hookup culture and the technology allows you to impulsively even act on those feelings, those desires. Yeah, it's removed
2: some of the barriers that we encountered during our generation.
1: All right, speak to that because that's really important. (laughs) You called it a barrier. I called it a (laughs) barrier. But there was there was a sense that... There-
0: <laughs>
2: what would you call it? Barriers are things that get in the way of you sometimes you know, pursuing an act or, or actually uh, engaging in something. So when we grew up, it was, all right, if I want to hook up, chances are I got to go to this party. Um, there's going to be lots of people there, so I'll probably start drinking. And then if I really want, if I'm interested in somebody, then I need to go and, and make a pass in terms of like talking to that girl or dancing with that girl. So there's like all these steps that need to happen. Now you can you can do that sitting on your couch and you can be rejected alone instead of rejecting so to a group you, of people.
0: You had to put some effort and work into, yeah. into, into hooking barrier, up. Barrier to so entry gave him one of weird. your poor
2: choice of words. Gave him one of your hookup lines. They're obstacles. Let's say obstacles. If I could
0: change the alphabet, I would put you and I next to each other. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but... Okay, when you said obstacle or barrier, maybe I took it this way. But remember, when we grew up in our generation, when you did hook up, Mm -hmm. the next day, because this goes back to what you were just saying about the regret or that, you felt kind of, depending upon who it was or whatever, you felt like you were going to be judged or especially maybe uh, the the female. Same thing. There was this sense of regret. With hookup culture now, uh, I don't see that as being a barrier anymore. I see that as being, you know, there is no sense of regret. Ooh, I've got data on that.
2: There's a lot of data, and I've, I have saw varying results. <laughs> okay. And some of the stuff I found was older. I don't know if you have anything current.
1: All right, so let's start with the data that I have. Okay. okay. Do you know the year? It's 2008. Okay. So on average, both men and women appear to have higher positive affect than negative affect after a hookup. However, it's interesting with some gender differences here. In one study, this is a Garcia and Reber, 2008. And, you know, there's challenges with this because it's a survey. But uh, participants were asked to characterize the morning after a hookup. 82% of men were generally glad that they had done it. But there's a notable gap. 50%, 57% of women (laughs) identified that they were... You know, satisfied or or they were glad that they did it.
0: That's almost half, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking yep.
1: about almost half of of women are saying, "Well, no, they're not glad they did it." Um, another study, this is two thousand and ten, of eight hundred and thirty two college students. Twenty six percent of women and fifty percent of men reported feeling positive. So only twenty six percent of the women only about a quarter, actually felt positive. So we have to ask ourselves, and we can get into evolutionary biology mm-hmm. about sex differences. We can also get into some of the, um, the problematic variables here. Um, alcohol use seems to be a, a variable. So it diminishes inhibitions, and you're more likely to make a poor choice when you're using substances. And that's what you see in some of the studies on promiscuity. The more sexual partners one has increases the risk of a lot of negative problems, but what's very much correlated tends to be is is substance use. So the more that you're using some kind of substance, the more likelihood you're going to get into a a hookup with a new sexual partner. But going back to 75 hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is gonna be the longest metaphor Ever.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I noticed is when I first started seventy five hard, the novelty of it was it gave me a a, a boost. Mm. I was somewhat elated because um, I'm doing something different, right? I felt good about it, almost like starting
2: a new relationship.
1: Almost start like starting a new relationship. You liked the something new, mm-hmm. but then it fell into a new pattern. It was kind. It wasn't new anymore, mm-hmm. so it was mundane. And then I started to question, why am I doing this? Yeah, And
2: you start talking about that with other people. And at first they were excited for you, but now they're really tired of hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so then you're, for, you're, you're dealing with something then emotionally. Then it becomes hard. In, in a similar way, that longer-term relationships, once they lose their initial novelty and excitement, then it becomes some degree of work. And you have to ask yourself valuable questions. Is the work worth the reward yeah i ask that every day yeah every day It's the first thing you do you get up in the morning and you look at your wife in bed and you say is this worth it (laughs) yeah (laughs) what have i done (laughs) did i do the right thing
2: (laughs) now i'll tell you what um i remember when tinder started becoming popular uh because i was in los angeles and i played on a softball team you know so it's like a you're not allowed to drink beer on the fields in Los Angeles like you can when you were in Philadelphia, which made oh, okay. a those beer Cali- drinking. Those California public. rules again. I know. Well, it, just, it drove me man. nuts. Socialist Republic of yes. California. Yeah, yeah. So like after the game, you would go to a bar and you'd grab a couple of drinks. And they let you in bars? They did. You, once, Did you have to scan in with your eyes? <laughs> 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 Only the cool bars. Um, and I had friends that worked in uh, in like the, the film entertainment industry. so a lot of them traveled and they were single men and they started talking about that app and I was like, what?" And they're like, yeah, I was just on a job in Kansas City and I you know got home from, and I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna see if there's anybody on there and I met this girl and we hooked up and now I'm back here and I was just like, why?" And they're like, that's oh, fine. I'm going on and I'm just and those guys are still single now and I don't know as you approach a certain point in your life, if that's sustainable, I would think there's a burnout emotionally and there's no connection. And then all of a sudden you're at that point where you're like the old guy in the room. And and at some point you need to mature and you need to evolve and commit yourself to something maybe, or
1: to a person. So here's the thing that I want to be careful at, because we can come across as a little judgy or we could be a maybe adhere to or tie to certain values that Mm -hmm. we may have. And I want to be careful of that because people get to choose their own lifestyles. And even when you look into the psychological literature, there's variability. Here's the, the path that I think we should take. That life is about experiences. You get to choose your experience. Just, you could be 60 and not married and hooking up, or with multiple partners, and if that is what you choose, and that is what brings value to your life, who are we to say Let's that you're not growing up, or you're not evolving, or you're not maturing?
2: There's gotta be like research out there about people in committed relationships, and families, and happiness, and everything.
1: Yeah, around. so we'll get into that, because ultimately you step back and you look at the sum of the parts into the whole, what is more likely for human beings, mm-hmm. right? This is like the Twitter phenomenon. I might say something that applies to a lot of people and then like the three people that it doesn't apply to, they <laughs> like rip you for it. And that's an overgeneralization. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you have an opportunity to meet every human being that walks the earth. So no, everybody relax because I know how to get some of this hate mail back or some of the hate comments back. The truth of the matter is, is that we're not, providing any judgment on this. We're not going to pass on our values. We might speak generally today. And a lot has to do with the type of life you want to live. What are your values? And we ask ourselves, are your behaviors aligned with your values? So if your ultimate goal is to experience a high degree of love or connection or family, then you ask yourself, is your current behavior leading you to that goal. And that's where I think we can provide some valuable information and data.
2: Yeah, I guess for me, um, I would think that there's a perception that if you're not in that hookup culture and you're on the outside looking in and you think everybody else is hooking up and they're having these positive experiences, you you feel like maybe my life will be better if I take that path. And I don't believe that to be true
0: well we've
2: I don't I, actually I would say I don't think as many people are you're, you're are, are hooking so up
1: the way that um you're going in a, in a direction that I think is problematic how because it's just your values and your opinion
2: no I I, I was gonna lead it to um uh culture and the media and movies and television um, almost like glorifying the hookup culture so that you think everybody's doing it and I'm
1: not the one doing it All right. So let's take this step by step by step. Okay. So first of all, interesting article about brains reactions and things that are typical of the, of the human experience. There's sex drive. There's our desire for romantic love. And then there's human attachment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So sex drive, that craving for sexual gratification. And comparing it to 75 hard, it was that desire for me to have that, that drink in that moment. And what it would do to my brain chemicals and my experience. And it's short-lived. But you have willpower. Well, I, I did utilize some willpower. Power. Romantic love is different than just sex drive. Because that's, um, that's almost like that building up. So there tends to be a euphoria and more of a craving and something that's a little bit more obsessive and the experience changes. You can have romantic love without sex. You can have romantic love, you know, without that at all. Mm -hmm. And that could be, you know, that connection between two people where you're learning about each other. Maybe you're sharing a meal. Maybe you're sharing an experience. You're walking on the beach. It's that human connection. It's feeling really good. It could be a, a kiss, a holding of hands. There's a feeling And so we're talking about two different experiences. Sexual gratification, which comes like a wave, right? You experience it and then there's a drop in it right when it's over. Mm -hmm. And then there's that experience of romantic love. And then there's human attachment, which is the security that you have and the bond with a long-term partner. Now, this is really critical because... We are actually and we're and this is where we differ from other animals in the animal kingdom. It's in other groups that animals can have many, many sexual partners as a way of trying to secure their genes into the next generation. But human beings have an attachment. There's a release of brain chemicals, oxytocin and vasopressin, and that allows for a bonding with a partner.
0: And vasopressin is, des- is that desire
1: and mate-seeking, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And so there is a difference in the experience between a casual sex hookup and a relationship where bonding has occurred through series of steps. So romantic love, getting to know that person, generating feelings, putting in the time, having strong experiences toward them, And then having sex. I agree. And then that's where the attachment comes in. Okay.
2: But you were talking about optimizing. Yes. So if you want to optimize your life towards happiness, is a series of fleeting hookups or a romantic relationship that you've had to put effort in and work hard for, provide more value to you, and value to you.
0: I think, so, well, can that depend? Can I go back? Cause the to stick with attachment and then yeah. I think we can kind of answer that. I think it's going to really depend on the attach attachment styles. When the, when there was a study, correct me if I'm wrong. Her name was Ainsworth. She did the strange situation task. And that, that to me is that credit. I mean, it's is it credible? Because that's between mother. I know, and but, child. but that's how we, that's how we attach attachment. Uh, from a very young age could determine possibly right as an assertion how we view hookup culture and how we view sex and how we view that so i know it's between i knew that
1: okay so i just want to make sure your point is clear what's that study
0: it 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 is the strange um basically the child what they did and they did replicate this over and over um, a mom or a guardian walks in with her child and Mm -hmm. there's a stranger Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a doctor or whatever they're doing to study. And basically the child begins to play and explore the room. The mother or the guardian is still in there with it. They measure, uh, they, I think they measured like the reaction of the child when the, the guardian left and left with the stranger in the room. Mm -hmm. And then they also measured when the child came back in to the room. And the, and the reaction of the child. Mm-hmm. And then there were these different, uh, they came up with different things like secure attachment. Okay. Was the child in, uh, engaged with the stranger while the caregiver in the room and then also engaged and got excited when the caregiver came back in. There was anxious avoidant um, where they ignored the caregiver when they walked out of the room. There was very little emotion. There's anxious ambivalent and resistant um, where the there was just resentment. In the child mm-hmm. and then there was this kind of disorganized or disoriented and so they that that study has been i believe replicated but my point is going back to you is it possible that that how we grow up and whatever attachment we are we have or what we were kind of built to can that affect individuals later on in life 18 19 20 21 go further with this idea of hookup culture and then how they view it because you're saying I believe, listen, romantic love and attachment trumps these, these kind of hookups, correct? Like, yes. absolutely, you're going to have a more fulfilling life if you, you get to that point. What you're saying is we got to be careful about the generalization of that. But I'm asking you
1: as an expert here. Oh, oh boy. I want to tell you how complex that study <laughs> is <laughs> and the problem with having this discussion. One could say that all of modern psychology dating back over a century has looked at human attachment in some way to understand our experience and our mental health and actually psychotherapy. So although uh, that is, is relevant and you're bringing up the greater question, does early relationships and early attachment to caregivers impact your ability to pair bond? later in life. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a legitimate question with so much complexity. I think it's beyond the scope of today's discussion, but the point I is I thought you were doing 75 hard. This <laughs> is a hard <laughs> <laughs> No, the point is well taken and let's summarize it for our listeners that there's variability based on experience. And so if you, if you grew up in an environment potentially where you were abandoned, neglected, or abused, that's going to interfere with your ability to bond and attach to a a partner. It's going to impact your relationships and attachment style identified by Bowlby and Ainsworth, which are very solid studies that exist in our field and they're replicated and built off in various ways and integrated into psychotherapy and the literature base in understanding the psychology of human behavior. That there's great complexity, and I wanted to move away. Sean tends to talk about things through his lens, right? I so do. He sees <laughs> what the I work. know,
2: <laughs> but the but it's like you're, he's talking about like the biopsychosocial. That's the social component, right?
1: Would One would be? say it's biological, psychological, and social, oh. all integrated. So, <laughs> okay. so like human bonding and attachment starts the moment that the baby is actually born. So there's like that's why it's so important of skin to skin touch. Mm-hmm. I I mean, it's so so complex that there's no way we can get into it. I know, but so it's like it's like Christmas Eve. You go down and you got like. You know, one big, huge present and all these little presents. You guys are coming. You're unwrapping the big present right oh, here away we to get into discussion. That's right. Well,
0: that's what this podcast is. Yes, to but you unra- need to, unra- unravel that. And they are complex. Listen, you this need whole to build, thing is complex. We have
1: to build to attachment. We just okay. did. We had so the
0: discussion on attachment. We were talking we, about attachment. We have,
1: I want us to build to it because so there's Kelly's, too many steps. Yeah. There.
2: Kelly's point is that your experience shape you. Yeah. Right? Yes. Okay. So yes. we'll all agree that your experience is shaped. You. I mean, as individuals, there's a bell curve and our experiences shape us and, no and doubt.
1: what we prefer, I what can, we think is. A I good can even go further from what Kelly just said. We know <laughs> we know that um actual studies, developmental psychology, that females will hit puberty earlier and menstruate earlier if they don't have a male figure in the home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now think about what that might mean it means that we are so interconnected and related to safety and uh, reproduction that in order for a female to, at some genetic biological level, to be able to survive, the body reacts to the lack of a male figure in the home and sexually matures earlier in order to attract a male or a mate from evolutionary biology. So these things are complex, co- very complex and sophisticated. Yeah. So um, I, I do want to recognize it. I, I do not want to have sweeping generalizations and then walk out of this podcast saying, oh my God, there's so much complexity to this. And we just kind of talked about attachment styles in some general way. But I do want to get to... Does hookup culture, promiscuity, early sex in a relationship negatively impact what's called pair bonding? Okay. So I, I want to walk, th- I want to, you know, work to that, but let's start with just mental well-being. Are Is there any data that suggests that having multiple sex partners increases well-being, or are we looking at the opposite? Like there's increases in depression, or anxiety for someone who utilizes that hookup culture. Well, as
0: of right now, the only literature I could find is the latter, that it has a negative
1: impact. I think we're trending in that direction.
2: Are we talking about sex or just the hookup? Because sex has psychological benefits, right? No. Decreased depressive
1: symptoms just by having sex, the physical contact? No. No. It's too complex, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so what is the de- what is depression it's a prolonged experience so i might get enjoyment from drinking the bourbon and i might feel less sad or i might feel happier for a couple hours but then i have to wake up the next morning and then i have to experience myself starting 75 hard all over again for two weeks mm-hmm. depression is considered more than two weeks it's extended so you can't get we can't get okay. mixed up the, a feeling of temporary feeling and use the word depression. This is my problem in our society. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in one study, those who had more sex without strings attached hookup culture were found to be on average, less satisfied with their love lives compared to uh young adults who had sex frequently with one committed romantic partner. So, it doesn't matter where you generally look. Human beings tend to be serial monogamists.
2: Um, I could only talk about my own personal Stop it! <laughs> we don't yeah. care
1: about you. Human <laughs> beings tend to be serial monogamists, right? And so, and that's not overall. That's what it seems to be the preferred response or action. Meaning that when when somebody wants to be in a relationship, they usually choose one person. They want to be with one person. Doesn't mean it sustains itself, but once that one ends, they go and they date and then they find one and they stay with one. That is more typical of human relationships.
0: Okay. So...
1: What does that mean to us? That's... (laughs) Well,
0: that's what I'm trying to figure uh, out. See, I don't, I don't if know that, if that. But it, what you just stated, if if that is indeed what the science is saying, I mean, that, based off of that, that study, but and you, other ob- studies, you guys observe the same
2: thing. I, we all observe the same thing. It Depends on mindset. Well, okay. Here's here's. I, I think depending on where somebody is in their life, they're prepared and willing and are ready for. So no, oh, for that to happen.
1: No, overall, human beings. In your experience, in your lives, do you see people having multiple? St- relationships at the same time so having sex with three people or two people and prolonging that over no expect no you see serial monogamy so somebody might be in hookup culture and be with lots of different people but when they settle down it's usually with one person and then they extend that out until it ends why that's the question we bring up I, i believe it's shaped by society and I think it's shaped by biology.
0: Yeah, I think that you, I agree with Roger. But you're, you, if we're one.
2: animals, and we're the only animal, except for penguins, that might go <laughs> into a committed relationship, you know, choosing a partner, why, why are we different than a bear or um, a wolf that wants to spread their seed?
1: Oxytocin, the human attachment. It Do goes, other it,
2: animals not have oxytocin?
1: I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, but one would suggest that there is a, a, a number of factors that would lead to it. So one is pleasure. So I, I brought up sex drive, romantic love, and attachment for a reason. Because there is less pleasure attached to the hookup culture. If you talk about creating experiences in life, the romantic love and the attachment piece is desired by many human beings. And you can only get that in a monogamous relationship. Because if you are not committed to each other, then there are a number of things that are going to happen with intimacy. There's a lack of trust. Human beings experience jealousy. I don't know if animals experience jealousy. And so jealousy then is a an emotion that has evolved within our species. And we have to ask ourselves, well, why do we experience jealousy? It's because of our, our own desires and willingness to protect what we have. And there's probably an evolutionary biology component to this around reproduction. So if you are going to bond with a partner and then have a child, So you're going to reproduce. It is beneficial for both parties, the female and the male, to be able to contribute their resources to protect the well-being of that child. When a male has sex with a female, it's beneficial to know that that would be your child if if the person you're with, the, the female you're with, got pregnant. Okay, so that's jealousy in males. And for females, it's obviously jealousy would be protection, protection of your child and to make sure the male stays with you because the threat is that male could leave you leave you for another woman and you'd be left having to protect your child. So that's evolutionary biology and that's the function of emotion. So we can't have this conversation without understanding human attachment, the role of emotions, pleasure and reproduction. That's why I don't want to simplify something like this. I want us to get into the nitty-gritty details so, because some of the questions that, I'm gonna, that I get in therapy sessions are very complex about trying to make decisions for, the for their long-term goals.
2: So then do we need to have a discussion about how men and women are different? Go ahead. Um, you started off by saying hookup culture. There's a gap between regret between men and women and probably the reason why that is is um orgasm because men can hook up and complete whereas sometimes women will have challenges because of the uh a number of reasons
1: i don't think that's what the study's saying i don't think that's it at all i don't think it has anything to do with sexual pleasure
2: i think it does and there's a whole bunch of new research out um
1: you think it has to do with orgasm. So when yeah. you when you were looking at this research, well, no, I I think whether someone regrets
2: I think there's a that's a component. It's called the orca- orgasm gap. And across men, women, sexual preference, there's an orgasm gap. Significant differences between a um, a straight woman and an LGBT female. So, the lowest orgasm is straight woman. The highest orgasm is LGBT female, even more than male, which is really interesting to look at.
1: So, that's fascinating.
2: What is it about the hookup culture that may drive a single female into a committed relationship? Because they're seeking more. And maybe what they need more of is not the physical. Orgasm, but the emotional connection that could potentially lead to that. So, is it the woman that is driving the man into that committed relationship? Because there's, everything's a bell curve, right? So, is it the man finding the woman and com- and kind of connecting with that woman that wants that long-term commitment? That is driving like this marriage to happen.
1: I th- well, I think you're overthinking. <clears throat> I am totally. Because I, 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 <laughs> because again, it goes back to the basics. We all have sex drive, even women. And we also have, we all have desires for human connection and touch. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of positive emotions related to that, even without orgasm. So, when it comes to orgasm, I, I agree with you. It's much easier for a male to achieve orgasm and then the pleasure that comes with it. Yeah. And that and was it's, tying back to regret. And it's, yes, I, I just don't think that's the regret. I think the regret tends to be something that's much more ingrained. Of course. In, It's complex. In the biology and our social reactions or responses. Women are much more uh, likely to be uh, vilified for sexual promiscuity than men. So, women having sex without a committed partner are called names or traditionally have been called names. The whole slut shaming right. aspect of this. And that comes from a long history and tradition of the consequences for women in having sex can be much greater than men. Women can get pregnant. And that's why a lot of people, and in, historically in cultures, would say, do not have sex with somebody. This is to a woman unless you're willing to have their baby, right? And so there have been changes in culture uh, with feminism and birth control, you know, that really kind of to promoted itself and evolved in the, in the 1960s, that women can think about sex through pleasure mm-hmm. when, they, when previously they had to think about sex through selecting a partner, And you had to be very, very careful of the partner you selected because it only takes one time and then you are carrying that person's offspring.
2: So let's tie it back to the question. The question came from a reader, right? And was talking about college campuses. Was that the specific question about hookup culture? No. No? It was just in general. Just about hookup culture, yeah.
1: Swipe right. This is new. Okay.
2: But it's usually meaningless, Right.
1: Yes, there's so, no commitment.
2: So in terms of like a mindset and an expectation, if you're approaching it as meaningless, then there's a certain lack of expectation in terms of it just being fleeted and short that shouldn't get in the way of what you're talking about monogamy, right?
1: Well, it get it goes back to expectations. Not everybody who engages in hookup culture, their expectations are just for fleeting pleasure. There is a number of people who enter into hookup culture with the desire for a relationship.
2: So they may say it's meaningless, but there's a part of them that, you know, maybe this can go somewhere.
1: Yes, yeah, obviously. And that's one of the things that is such a challenge for me as a psychologist, okay? This is frequent. And so I can have this discussion here on the podcast is that talking about sex, when somebody enters into a new relationship and often it's more female than male, but the question and the regret and the concern is, did I have sex too early? Mm -hmm. When should I have sex? How should I approach this relationship? I like this person. I have feelings. And my do you know what my answer generally is?
2: <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Do you talk about um, 75 hard? <laughs> well, I guess it would, it would depend on the individual. Well, one. What's it depends. Important to them? So what, yes. what are your goals? Yeah.
1: Okay. So one thing that, that, that I've come to a conclusion that once you have sex earlier in a relationship, it, it diminishes its uh, potential for a term called sacred sex.
2: Uh, trust, right? I, I, I always related it back to trust. Like if I had sex with somebody the first time I met them, it's really hard to get into a committed relationship with that person because I don't trust them. Because if, if you slept with me on the first date, then, then I'm I'm really concerned about where this could potentially go in the future.
1: So get so listen to this. Casual sex leads to a decrease in neurochemical uh in a neurochemical production of oxytocin and then interferes with later pair bonding. Mm. So let me repeat that again because it's worth mentioning to everybody. The more frequent you have sex with various partners, it interferes with your later ability to pair bond. Let me read this exactly from the paper. When an individual chooses to engage in casual sex, breaking bond after bond with new sexual partner, the brain forms a new synaptic map of one-night stands. This pattern becomes the new normal for the individual. When and if the individual later desires to find a more permanent partner, the brain mapping will have to be overcome, making a permanent bond more difficult to achieve. So, Sean, your experience... If you hooked up, theoretically, if you, <laughs> back in the day, if you hooked up with a girl early, yeah. automatically, and, and as men, we can talk about this, we devalued that individual because it impacted trust and it made it much more difficult for us to pair bond with that person in the future because the likelihood is that they have more sexual partners. And they could also do that again, um, and we and that that's that jealousy, that's that trust component. Now, socially, we would say there's different rules for men versus women, and that's part of the hype, That's part of the patriarchy, and you know, women should have the same sexual freedom that any guy has. Can't deny that, right? You choose your experience. You know, no one's saying you can't do that but biologically there's challenges. So if you are a female and you want a committed long-term partner and you like the guy you're dating, it is your it's your benefit. It's a benefit to you to delay and to let the guy actually court you and chase you cuz what it what happens then it enhances your value as a mate on a very biological level, the longer you can hold out as a woman and let that relationship develop will enhance romantic love. And the next time, the first time that you do have sex, it is experienced with more pleasure and connection. Science. So those in the hookup... What's
2: what's that link? Uh, What's the study... Just so I can... I'm going to include it in the show summary. Just
1: include it in the show study so I don't have to go looking okay. for it, right? right?
0: So those in the hookup culture, you're basically saying that due, due to the research that's been done, it's changing the brain in a sense that they become less likely to be able to to have good relational values in relationships.
1: So Bonding. No, it's bonding.
0: bonding. Okay. But what if a person really does suck at bonding in relationships but is really good with sex? And can they get something out of this hookup culture? Like, can they actually be happy?
1: I think everybody gets something from sex, right? It's, it's a pleasurable experience. I don't think, well, not everybody. I can't say that. Obviously, some people, you know, sex is not pleasurable. And so I don't want to generalize. And it depends on history. But generally speaking, somebody who, who, who hasn't been abused sexually or gone through traumatic experiences Sex is designed to to be a pleasurable experience for both men and women. And so, yes, there's a reward to it. I want to go back to the beginning of this podcast, though. We're talking about optimization. (laughs) 75 hard. (laughs) We're talking about optimizing our life. We're not just saying having pleasure from sex. We're talking about enhancing the pleasure. We're not just talking about a positive experience. We're talking about long-term so if you if you have more sexual partners and you engage in the hookup culture, the research is suggesting you're more likely to have substance abuse problems. You're more likely to have negative health effects. You're more likely to suffer with depression and anxiety, and you're less likely to pair bond in a way that would really enhance your experience mm-hmm. as, as a partner. And so we have to ask ourselves, is as modern society... And everything tends to be about like quick fleeting pleasure, almost in a hedonistic way. Is it driving people down the wrong direction? Is life more pleasurable by doing hard things? So if you had to court a woman that you really like and you had to work for it, mm-hmm. and I mean work for it, meaning mean taking the time, building a relationship, connecting, Having non-sexually.
2: Conversations. Yes.
1: And then caring for that person. Yeah. That enhances the sexual experience, enhances the pair bond. There is a whole thing called sacred sex. And it's interesting that there are various movements that exist throughout the United States. And some of them are shifting from what we thought was liberation in a sexual uh, culture where uh, you can experiment and have pleasure and thinking that enhances our quality of life and then learning it does not. And then, kind of, the pendulum swings back to some more traditional values, not because there's some adherence to some religious belief, but because it's more pleasurable. It's a higher quality of life. So, it does bring like questions like, are we designed to be monogamous? Why? We're here 2022. Humans still generally choose to be monogamous, marriage is still an institution that people seek in this culture when they have the opportunity to do other things? And why would they do that? Right? Why would we seek out one partner if we don't have to comfort, um, meaning, purpose, pleasure experience, right? So we were joking. We wake up every morning and we decide, is this worth it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the question is, it's kind of like drinking the bourbon, right? You can go and you could seek out pleasure quickly somewhere else, but it comes with great consequences. So if you are in a family and you've pair bonded with one individual and committed, you also have shared commitments to your children. You also combine income. You also have a shared household. You have a division of responsibility. So one... One approach to just seek out pleasure then creates a lot of pain. That's why divorces, generally speaking, create a lot of emotional upheaval, distress, and, and it's considered a highly stressful and even traumatic experience over the course of the lifespan.
2: Um, we talked about struggle and failure and how those are learning experiences. Do you think it's important in general for people to experience dating multiple partners, the hookup culture for a period of time in order to value the relationship that they're in committed long-term. So is it part of
1: development is the question. I, I, I absolutely believe that. I believe that not everyone's a genetic value or a personality match. And you have to be able to determine that through experience. That doesn't mean um, being careless. It doesn't mean being careless or having sex early. You generally can actually figure these things out fairly early. In fact, and this is a whole new podcast. There's there's scientific, sound scientific research that we use our sense to uh, attach. Your smell. Your smell based on genetic matches mm-hmm. and that birth control can interfere with the female's ability to be able to have a, uh, to be able to match based on scent and other things. Mm. So there's so much biology that we're, we've failed to attach to. All right,
2: that's deep. Let's not get but into the lo- that yeah. We are going to get into it. Eventually. I just actually, <laughs> I
1: just got the book, um, Your Brain on Birth Control. And so we're going to do a podcast on this on this subject because it's part of modern society. Uh, anyway, there's a lot that can d- be determined if a person is a match through time. And it takes time. You cannot determine if somebody is a match quickly. Okay The whole love at first sight tends to be more romanticized through film. Mm-hmm. okay? It doesn't mean there can't be attraction at first sight or desire or passion, it's just very, very difficult to be able to determine whether somebody's a long-term match for you based on a couple weeks, because there's a number of things that can happen. Have you heard about idealization in relationships? Nope. Enlightenment. <laughs> idealization is the story that we create about a person. And this goes into things we've talked about earlier about the mind. I remember even when we are talking about stoicism, Is it idealization
2: or idol? I D O L.
1: Ideal. Ideal. Idealization. And the earlier or the quicker that you idealize somebody, the more likely they will also be devalued. Mm. Okay. So remember, if because they don't live up to your story. Yeah. And you're first of all, everyone's going to hurt you, even in a relationship, even if it's quite you know benign. But you know, it often can be a mismatch between the story and then how that person presents in reality. Mm -hmm. So when you initially start dating anybody, it's usually you're your best self and, and in couples, that's why they
2: say date three is like the, the, the turning point,
1: right? It's much longer than date. I know, but because people can do date like, three in one week.
2: Yeah. But you you can run out of things to talk about at date three. Cause you've like, oh, uh, there's nothing more to me. <laughs> right.
1: That, that's when that would, re- well, that would be sad. Yeah. And I, hopefully that's not the case, but anyway, <laughs> any anyway, so th- this is really interesting. So, um, you create an ideal of the person, um, a story and this is what's fascinating in therapy is my clients tend to tell me their story and they're actually attached to it as if it's real to their client. And I'm sitting there thinking this is a fascinating story. There's a lot of romanticism to this. This person is amazing. They probably even tell that to each other. So there is what we call idealization and they start attaching to the story and within the story comes a lot of strong feelings. And by acting then on those strong feelings, you are vulnerable to having sex early. And then, if you have sex early, it's basically impulsive or emotionally driven and it's related to the story. Eventually, time will play on and the person's behavior will contradict the story you've created, which will create emotional pain. So, you entered into a bonding act with an individual, you had sex prior to. Loving that person and knowing that person, which then increases the likelihood that they will be devalued. And that comes with a great pain and maybe even a big fight or lashing out or responding to that person, which might throw them off. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you get you get deemed with the label you're crazy or other things. Yep. Right. That's why it's so important. If your goal is to have a monogamous strong connection, safety and security in a long-term relationship, let it play out in a certain fashion. Build to it. In fact, each stage, let it be something that you can experience more and more pleasure. Get to know that person and actually prevent sexual intimacy as long as you can in order to make sure that there is sufficient romantic bonding connection and the two of you have the same goals in a relationship. Now that seems, sounds old fashioned and people might say that's prudish, but I'm talking about enhancing experience, pleasure, even sexual pleasure, and then increasing the likelihood that that relationship can grow.
2: Um, you talked about old fashioned, made me think of our grandfather's 94 years old. And I was living out in California, and I I stayed with them for a period of time. And I would sometimes go back and stay at their house on the weekends. And our grandmother had a a stroke maybe about two or three years after I was living there. And I was sitting around the kitchen table with my grandfather, and grandmother was sitting on the couch watching TV. And he would always tell stories, and then she would just sit there and laugh at his stories. And one day, he just kind of looked at me, and he goes, Sean... This is what it is. He's like, eventually, that lust for somebody, the sex, it goes away. So when you're choosing somebody that make sure it's the right person for you, because at the end of the day, this is what it's going to be. The two of you sitting on the couch next to one another, enjoying each other's company. And if you don't enjoy being with that person, that person's not right for you. And that stuck with me.
1: Stuck with me, too. And we had grandparents on both sides of the family that uh, really modeled that very strong love over a long extended period of time. And that modeling certainly impacted how I view the quality of relationships. Because I think, and we have science that's gonna support that, that love actually strengthens over time. It's different. There's a different experience between uh, that romantic early bonding and experience when you and novelty And then what one might experience 20, 30, 40 years, the bond is strengthened so much so that you see that when a partner dies at one stage in life, that uh, decreases then the lifespan of the other partner, Mm -hmm. especially the longer that you're with somebody. There's also really good research on longevity. And uh, this is following cohorts of people dating back to the 1920s, I think in, from harvard so you like choose someone at birth and then you follow them all the way across the lifespan and it's a it's a study that continues to get um there's a netflix special on it but it's a study that continues to go on even to this day and know what they find out you know the number one predictor of longevity and quality of life a dog (laughs) no relationship so loneliness kills oh yeah 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 loneliness kills so We can sit here and we can talk about, you know, the optimal human diet or alcohol use and so forth. But uh, loneliness is more deadly than cigarettes, alcohol, and a poor diet. Hmm. Loneliness kills. We are relational human beings. And one of the values of monogamy marriage or long-term relationships is that it seems to protect against loneliness. As long as that relationship is stable and healthy, it protects against that loneliness. That's why married couples have, on average, higher ratings of happiness. They make more money and they live longer. So if we're talking about institutions that, that tend to work, if you can learn how to do it, Marriage is an institution that has positive physical, economic, and mental benefits. But in a lot of ways, that institution in itself has become devalued in our culture. We often have to ask ourselves these questions. Why? Why is it pushed in media, academia, in schools to do things that will provide pleasure in the moment, but harm you in the long term. And why is that viewed as progress? And that's where I connect things to 75 hard, because there's delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. You delay gratification for something that feels better, that's more health promoting. And think about that in terms of relationships delaying sex, committing to one person, working through problems, having two parents in a home, raising children the role of modeling, stability, economic security, greater health. Are we, in the name of progress, promoting behavior that's ultimately going to destroy the health and well-being and potentially the human race? It's a big question. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. And so that's why I wanted to speak to the complexity of this discussion today because there's more podcast episodes to be built off of this yeah kelly does it with bringing up attachment and it's interesting he brought that up because it's it's got so many varying degrees of discussion on optimizing life and mental health and even treating mental health problems you're talking about it associated with aggression You're talking about associated with longevity, uh, PTSD, uh, substance use, quality of relationships. It goes into so many different directions. But today, hookup culture, right? What does the data suggest? The data suggests it might be moving us in a direction that we are not really biologically or genetically ingrained to do. It doesn't lead to our long-term positive outcomes. With that being said, everyone gets to choose their experience, And it depends on what your goals are. If your goals are to pair bond, if your goals are to have a strong connected relationship with another person and there's great pleasure, then you want to take a step back and think about whether hookup culture is the right choice for you. If it's just you're at a point in your life where you're just looking to enhance pleasure, understand that there's also consequences to that. You can experience the pleasure but there are consequences, and you have to be prepared for those consequences. It could be the feeling of regret that you experience the next day. It could be an STD. It could be an unwanted pregnancy. It could be harming other relationships with other people. It can change the way that people think about you or view you. You are your own creator, so you create your own reality. You have to ask yourself who you want to be, and that's why it's important to make those type of decisions going into a new relationship before you're going to have sex to make sure it is thought out.
0: Listening to a podcast may be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional. If you are in a crisis or you think you have an emergency, call your doctor or 911. If you're considering suicide, call 1-800-273-TALK to speak with a skilled, trained counselor. If you found this podcast interesting, please share it with a friend, subscribe through your podcast app, and engage with us through our social channels. And if you are concerned about a friend or family member, reach out. The six magic words, I was just thinking about you, may make their day. Thank you for listening.